You are listening to the Akio Varsity Podcast, the show that brings you forthright conversations with Africa's finest creatives, artists, and digital natives with your host, Fumani Baloy. gentlemen it's some serious heat yeah and if you're wondering who that is you're in for a treat because today we got mr travolta salani the man known for the grown man jazz yes my guest for the show this is Acuvacity, and i'm your host for money baloy sit back enjoy get your snacks ready and yeah you're about to be treated to some grown man jazz one of Limpopo's finest. This is a man who has performed for the president. This is a man who's been nominated for the Afro Music Songwriter Contest. Yeah, I got to pick his brain a bit about the ins and outs of the music business and his career and his journey so far. So yeah, it's going to be a good one. Yeah, enjoy the podcast. Yeah, Trev or Travolta, welcome to the show, man. Akio Varsity Podcast. Uh, it's been a long time coming. I truly wanted to have a conversation about the music and about the business. Uh, glad you could finally make it, man. How are you doing? Um, I'm brilliant, fam. I'm brilliant. Uh, how are you? Are you safe? I'm great, man. I'm great. Um, how's the lockdown? How has it affected the music, the creative process, maybe the business as well? Uh, yeah, in terms of the music, uh, it's just the music itself is just business as usual. Uh, I mean, I, 
I am almost on some sort of like permanent lockdown, not permanent, but I'm always locking myself inside, just working on new stuff, trying to reinvent and stuff. But the business side is a bit hurtful. Um, no more live performances. And I think that's where many, many artists, uh, you know, try to have their bread and butter it from. So that's hurtful. I feel that too. Yeah. But I suppose now with the digital platforms, hopefully a little bit of something could be coming your way. We never know. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. And also your way too, as podcasts are uh, uh, people. Spotify is now buying into podcasts. That's good news for you guys. <laughs> yeah, let's hope we'll be the next Joe Rogan. I, I saw that they signed that exclusive deal with Joe Rogan. So his podcast is actually going to be available on Spotify only. Yeah, but it's something something for the future, man, to, to look forward to. And the future begins now, my man. You're in a good space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely, man. Definitely. I think COVID-19 has actually shown us that nothing is guaranteed. You know, you gotta, you gotta do it. You do it now. Yeah. Yeah, man. Let's get to the business of the day. Travolta Salani, right? Yeah. For those that don't know you, the man behind that blazing track in Zilo. Just give us a little bit of background, where you grew up, what you studied, and what led you to actually start a music career. Uh, okay, yeah. Sokaya uh, straight, Milakan Simbi. But then I grew up also in Salema and then also Giani. Grammed out for like six years. I have a Bachelor of Arts degree and it's um, one where I majored in philosophy and English literature. So that's what I studied. I suppose it explains the this philosophical tracks and all these uh, deep lyrics in, in, in your music. Are they really deep? I... I... You know, I'd, I'd like to think they're very accessible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, but um, it's that type of music where you'd be like, wow, um, this is something fresh. This is something new. I think the first time I had the track, uh, a friend of mine sent it to me and it was like, yo, check this out. And I'm like, wow. I mean, I've had people uh, rapping Hishtonga, but that sound was just way too different. Like the soul and everything, it was just way too different. They were just like, no, we, I think we're onto something here. Let me actually hunt this guy down. I just want to see, get to know him better and just try and understand, you know, his, his mind and tap into his creative process. So hopefully you're going to take us through that journey as well, um, your creative process. So being a bilingual MC, how does it work? You you can start the rhyme scheme, is Changani, finish it off, Ishlungu. Just take us through that. Um, that's a good question. It's not always a sure thing where it begins and where it ends. You know, you always have a vision of it and, you know, you always try to push towards that vision. But how it comes about and how it comes alive is is its own story, you know, is its own way. So I might, you know, I might have a, a line that rings in my head and it's in Vanek and that line could make part of the hook, you know. I might get it when I wake up in the morning. I might get it, you know, sitting during the day or fiddling with, you know, sounds. But whether it's in English or song or when I get it, it's something that I will have to stretch and allow at the same time, allow itself to give birth to itself in whatever way it does. And I guess it's just natural how it comes out in both languages. Because, yeah, like you said, bilingual. You rap in both languages. Song of music, obviously, particularly hip-hop, let me say. It's not quite popular, uh, or especially the type of hip-hop that you do. How do you describe your music? What do you call it? Is it mutsuako? Is it songa rap? Is it just hip-hop? Is it poetry? 
where do you categorize music if you do? Man, that's a good question. Uh, back in 2014, I dropped an EP called Grown Man Jazz. And that's that at that time was the definition of the sound I'm trying to go with, you know, and the whole package. But I, I've ever since moved to a point where I feel like what I make is just, it's, it's rap, you know what I mean? I mean, I could try to call it Grown Man Jazz because it has jazz influences, but rap, you know what I mean, has jazz as like the big brother, you know? So it doesn't make sense for me to try to categorize it or even change or even try to put it in a little box or even not so little, a prominent box as like the other genres that you have in essay, like Mutsuako. It wouldn't make sense for me, you know? I'm sure it makes sense for other people, but for me, it just wouldn't because um, hip hop itself is founded, you know, like, you just have to be different when you get inside of the game. You know, that's how I learned, you know, all of my favorite rappers are different. So me being different in sense of, you know, in terms of my language or my approach to the whole Sonic is, is no reason for me to call it anything other than rap. So I just call it rap. So speaking of that, your, your inspiration and your favorite rappers, uh, who did you grow up um, listening to? First time I fell in love, really, really in love with hip hop was Hype Sessions. The last uh, magazine and mixtape of 2005, it was Lime. Uh, I still remember it. It was Lime. It had Wicked. It had Double H.P. Mzabalazo. It had uh, Macbeth. It had, yeah, it had a lot of different cats, man. And that's when I fell in love with hip hop, hip hop, you know, South African hip hop uh, or hip hop as I know it. And then the first time I branched out, but the first time I branched into international hip hop, uh, I remember 2006, I I saved up the whole winter, June, to buy Kanye West's uh, late registration. I think he had a song there called Hey Mama, had it when I was washing my, my cousin's car. And that, that just made me fall in love with rap like many and many, many, many times over. So I'm just listening to your answer and I just could pick up, you didn't mention all those artists in the golden era, your Parks, your Biggies. It's just the guys who are kind of newish. Those are just definite, man. <laughs> no, 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 man. Those are just definite. Those are just definite. I was just trying to take you through, you know, uh, my journey of where I picked it up and said, hey, maybe I could take the writings that I was, you know, already fiddling with and then make them into rap. But definitely, I mean, one of my biggest influences, I would, I would say would have to be Jay-Z and the whole Soul Aquarian movement, you know, from your Common, your Mustav, your Talib Kweli, those are the people when I started listening to rap on a, you know, like just listening to rap on a level of like being conscious of myself and my surrounding and everything else that makes that possible. That's who I started listening to. You know what I mean? Like even beyond rap, your D'Angelo's, your Erica's, you know what I mean? Your Della Souls, you know, definitely those people also are a big influences for me. Yeah. So, your first song that you weaved together and actually was a proper song. When was that one? Mm, first, first song. You would have to be more specific in terms of like writing events because I would spend lots of time on the couch, you know, with a pad and just when I was still trying to, yeah, when I was still young, just trying to write. Maybe let's just say your first recording when you actually said, wow, I'm ready to put pen and paper. I'm ready to hit the booth and write on the beat and actually make a song. When did that happen? That was 2008. Um, yeah, that was 2008. Um with Lloyd Jawuke, 
uh, at Thomas Chawike studio. Uh, yeah, we're just messing around and we did a couple of tracks. It's, it's, it's stuff that, you know, you listen to now and really laugh at like hard and crack yourself, but you know, it was really worth the experience and the learning. And I think the first one was called Lala song. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the song about? Oh man, it was, <laughs> see, that's the thing. What was it even about? <laughs> but, um, it, it just had a catchy hook, you know, it was just about typical rapper stuff. You know, the stuff that when you watch TV, you get bombarded with when you into hip hop, like the usual rapper goes out, dress fly in chains, gets a girl, you know what I mean? Talk to another person, pardon my language. I'm very sorry. And then, you know, yeah, we'll forgive you that one time. <laughs> doesn't care about anything else after that. That was just the kind of song, you know. And it had a really catchy hook, yeah. Obviously, you discovered that, wow, you've got the knack for this. You're actually passionate about this. You had school, on the other hand. When did you make the conscious decision to actually say, you know what, I'm going to push a career in music no matter what? And did you face any backlash from your family when you brought that up? Yeah, see, I knew as early as high school, you know, I probably knew even younger than that, but wouldn't admit it with confidence until I was in high school. You know, I think grade 11, I had a conversation with my mom saying, hey, I'd rather have you, oh, man. I'd rather have you um, invest in a studio for me and stuff like that. And, you know, instead of paying for varsity, you know, but she wouldn't have that. Uh, so I had to go to school, but I think 2000. 17, uh, when I left everything in academia, uh, after getting my degree, I decided that, look, um, I'm going to really focus on this. And I was able to really, really focus on music, I think, late 2018 and early 2019. And that was a decision that I had to actually take and be firm, you know, with myself before everyone else followed suit, you know. So it was a thing of, this is who I am and I'm going to do this. And if you're going to help me, thank you so much. And if you're not going to help me, um, probably I'll be very, very happy to help you in the future using it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually quite interesting. I mean, the whole education part and also the, the passion part, not a lot of rappers actually have a college education, so they call it. So not a lot of rappers have a degree. And there's this whole notion that, you know, from our upbringing that, you know, you can do anything else with your life as long as you have a degree, uh, something to fall back on. So with your education, do you consider that as something to fall back on or music is actually the stuff that you really want to do and there's just nothing else that you will fall back on? Quite interesting, man. I really, um, I used to be, there were moments before, you know, where I would be mad and go, why are they taking me through this? You know, as much as I try to do my best there when I was in, when I was in school, but I now in hindsight, I'm looking back maybe because of the, the route I went, I didn't go for, for like a cost that was definitely going to give me you know, a closed, let me not say closed, but like, okay, you study and then you get a job and then that's the kind of job you're going to do for the rest of your life. No, I went for something that was going to, for me, it felt like an exercise to get ready, you know, to just do whatever I want after, you know, 
studying. So I went for something in the arts in order to help my creative thinking and my critical thinking and my perspective. And I think I that was the move I'm like, I think that was where I got it right in terms of not just going for something that's, you know, just going for something for the sake of doing it, but seeing how I could actually reconcile the desires of my parents and mine, you know, and mesh them into something that in the long run is going to help both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Profound. Advice that you would give an aspiring creative to say, it's also good to study while you pushing your passion or rather just you know, man, just do what you got to do uh, and you'll take it from there. Do you think a degree or, or any formal education, so higher education to be precise, is something that people should really pursue? I'll tell you what, uh, a degree uh, in the physical sense of having it really, you know, helps you at least think of breathing, if not breathing, because still people are un unemployed with degrees. But it's a thing of if you should you ever feel too depressed, you know, with your artistic endeavors, because they do get depressed and it's a very, very, sometimes it gets gloomy, the road there, you could fall, you know, not fall back on, but you could still find your way, you know, into society and provide a meaningful service. That is good. I wouldn't say, hey, if you want to be a rapper, screw school. I would never say that. But at the same time, I think it's also important to understand that at least I understand that my favorite rappers, so my favorite rappers may probably Jay-Z, definitely Jay-Z. As much as he didn't go to school, when I listen to his music and I watch his interviews and I read things that say an open letter that he penned, it's, it, it shows to me that that is a learner, you know, that's a person that's interested in learning about life, you know, their immediate environment and their, you know, the broader environment, you know, so... I think if you are not going to get a degree, please just be committed to learning. And even if you do get a degree, it's always a good thing to be committed to the process of learning and growing and developing as a person. And why, And then use that to fuel your creative endeavors. That's how I look at it. So the business of music, my guy, you launched your career, independent artist. We've got a single out. It's on Spotify and all other streaming platforms. It's actually two. It's actually two singles out now. <laughs> oh yeah, Brief is out as well. Hey, it's just not on Spotify yet, but it's gonna be on Spotify very soon. It was a track that you put out actually for for the competition as well. It also gave you exposure in the African continent. How did that turn out for you? Um, just being part of the competition, nominated, and having to go with other African artists. How was that experience? It was very dope because I got to learn about the other hot tastes in Africa, if not hot, at least, you know, artistically decent and, you know, um, pleasing. So I got to learn about that and I got to connect with artists from out of Africa also. So there could be, spoiler, <laughs> you could have some uh, continental appearances when the album drops or when the project drops um and it's definitely helped in the sense that it's gotten me out there as more than just uh, a rapper you know uh as more more of a songwriter you know um yeah because that's what the whole contest was about you know it was a it was a songwriter's contest yeah 
Yeah. What inspired the song Breathe? Uh, it was, Breathe is simply a song about getting out of a relationship, you know, or taking time out of a relationship that isn't working, you know, to focus on yourself and work on yourself. You know, sometimes when we, we find ourselves, you know, uh, pressed against other people, you know, even romantically, you know what I mean? We tend, when things go wrong, you tend to look at the other person so much and then forget to look at yourself, you know? So Breathe was one of the songs where you go, hey, breathe. Don't let pride stop you from loving me but at the same time don't deprive yourself of the love that you would give me love yourself and i will try to do the same and i will work on myself and be a better version of me while we take you know time apart yeah yeah um yeah so the business of music obviously now being an independent artist how does it work you have to self-promote self-market pretty much do everything on your own and still being able to keep the lights on and pursuing your passion Oh man, that is always the trick, you know, and I guess that's why you have, I guess that's why you have like the music business as it is, where you have A&Rs working, you know, with executives and artists in the way that they do. It's not, it's not per se easy. I mean, for me, business and music are two separate things, although they emerge, you know, in a very beautiful, sometimes catastrophic way. But um, those two things, you see, they both sciences or arts in their own senses, right? They need rigor you know study and you need to be disciplined and be determined to follow you know that certain path you know in order to get it proper not so many people are able to match the two and even if they do match the two there's always another person in the background you know uh lurking unseen you know if that makes sense so that is always a big challenge but i find that i've i've been things just align for me man i yeah things just align for me and i'm able to do things that you know people would go don't even dream about that you know but it's i don't know it's just me man it's just i'm more focused on the music you know i wake up every day and the first thing i will do is you know first or second thing will be me creating the last thing i'll do before i go to bed will be creating but during the day maybe because my energy is focused so much on this thing and having it grow you know i will stumble across the right opportunities yeah what do you think artists especially independent artists should actually be doing to capitalize on being on digital platforms is it something that they really should be focusing on or as you mentioned earlier maybe just stick to the music do you think that the digital platforms and the music in its purest form can actually intertwine and we actually get to have that quality music from an artist on digital platforms rather than just going for fame and popularity that is a very complex one because um i'm gonna answer in favor of both right so now digitally you do get people being more of themselves, you know, because it's easy to get a song out and the pressures, uh, as much as they could be more, you know, you know, given the fact that there's a whole lot of noise digitally, you know, so you have to scream fire in the stadium to get people's attention. You don't have, you, you don't necessarily have the, the pressures from labels if you are trying to go independent you know what i mean you can just speak your own truth the way you want to and corporates and labels i think and big businesses i think they're starting to now acknowledge that because many many artists because many many artists are able to do that so they realize that artists have power and they can take it back at any time but at the same time, I think now that we are faced with this COVID-19 uh, pandemic, it's it, it calls for the digital a lot, but it also calls for us to also reconsider 
traditional media. So, you know, all those platforms that we moved away from, like print, you know what I mean? All of those, you know, I think a newspaper could be more entertaining than it was in February because now you're locked inside, right? <laughs> right. So having to touch something like, in, like a newspaper, you know, having to listen to the radio, turning into TV, you know, stuff like that, you know, becomes more, becomes even more relevant now. So it's, it's showing us musicians and creatives how complex the world is and how complex we need to be thinking in order to reconcile the two very almost um, conflicting, you know, uh, arenas. Like you have digital and then you have traditional. Like digital steals a lot from traditional, but now we have to find a way to make digital work properly with traditional. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I know this thing with artists or creatives in general, they'd say, ah, you know what? I'll still stick to the same old, same old way of doing things. This digital, social media type of things, not really my scene. Don't vibe with that. There's just too much noise on that. Do you know what I think it is, though? It's, it's, it's not you as an artist trying to do everything that everyone else is doing. And, you know, in order to stay relevant, it's you understanding who you are and what what role you're meant to play, what's your purpose, what's your service, you know, in the broader scheme of things. And then that way you'll be able to project your brand better. So you won't have to worry about social media so much. Like it's important to think about, but for some people, it's not as big as it might be for some people. So if you are a person that really knows how to win people over, you know, of live performances, you know, um, a, a platform like YouTube and Instagram is more, you know, it's, it's better than other platforms for you. You know what I mean? And sometimes, yeah, and sometimes that doesn't work for you because you're more of a commentator in the field. So Twitter has to work for you better. Sometimes those all don't work for you. You need radio. Sometimes you need a clever mashup of all these things. And I think that's what we, you know, it's always a challenge that if not the artists face, the people behind the artists will have definitely to face. Yeah, I hear you loud and clear, man. You put it very nicely. I guess it's very important for every artist to know who they are and what they're all about. Yeah. Yeah, man. We've unpacked quite a bit and I'm loving the conversation so far. So I'm going to get to <laughs> that famous one, the full length album. When can we get your full body of work? Full body of work, definitely, man. I'm very excited about that one. Uh, so it's, see, this is where it is right now. Um, I'm just trying to find a way to properly launch the project, you know, because we've been talking about the business and the music. I've, I've learned so much, you know, to have realized that it just doesn't make sense to put something out for the sake of putting it out, you know. Uh, there needs to be there needs to be some thinking behind how you put it out, and you know you have to be rigor about what you want to achieve when you put it out. You know, uh, there are certain things I'm still trying to knock out of the park before I put it out, and I want to have certain things in place when I put it out. But the music is just getting abundant every day. I mean, if I had to, I could put out. If I had to, I could put out two projects right now. But it's a thing of you know, I can't just put it out there i have to put it out there and get you know what at least you know mark certain items of my my list of to do things you know but definitely this year and it could be june it could be july it could be august it depends on how lucky you are <laughs> yeah and then who's mainly producing the work are you working with one producer or you've got uh different collaborators this time around oh that is the thing see there's there are lots of 
people to work with uh yeah but mainly for now i just find myself working a lot with uh, awaken so you haven't heard anything that i've put out yet Unle- well you probably have you know the superstar track fanalo what the pinacho white santo he's on that beat so he's on that beat so it's jazzy like that and my goodness you have you've you've no idea what we have in store for you or maybe you do but in any case it's still going to be an experience so it's awakened in most of, on most of the tracks and uh for now that's the solid skeleton you know what i mean it might just be him only it might be him and other people but for now big ups to awaken yeah and then live performances trev um live performances obviously with covid-19 that's kind of been on a halt live performance for you I remember you you had the honor to actually perform at the presidential inauguration. Uh let's talk about that for for a little bit. How was that experience for you? How did you feel after that? Oh man. It felt do you know do you know you know we have this thing called the liminal space. It's an uncertain space. It's 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 a space of uncertainness, right? So you don't know exactly what space that is and what it leads to. It it was one of those moments for me. It was a very very beautiful moment that I couldn't help but wake up every day and be grateful for, you know? Um it was that amazing, you know. It it had brought in the way I saw things on scales I can't even imagine telling you, you know. Not just performing, but how you actually approach certain things. you know but at the same time when your debut because for me i look at that as my debut as much as i had been making music since 2018 that was me practicing you know for something like that to actually say hey well i'm here to actually do this and when that finally happened left this it's it's almost a thing of you know what next if you know if you come through for the first time and perform for the president so it was very beautiful but also a bit daunting in the sense of what are you going to do next nigga <laughs> so yeah 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 i guess it's always going to be that question so after this what's next you know um what what greatness lies ahead and the fear might be that maybe an opportunity like that might never arise again and you could just find yourself just bubbling under that sort of one feet of greatness um but then you never know it's just that dark place that you can you can never really know you can either get into it or you you get out of it but i'm pretty sure it's up to the it's it's straight to the top yeah <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I think it's been it's been real, man. Just trying to understand, you know, the man Travolta. Um you go by the stage name, you, sorry, yeah, stage name is the same as your real name. Do you have any aliases? Travolta Salani, yeah. So it's the name and the surname on stage and off stage, but uh people might know me as Trav also and on SoundCloud maybe Trav the artist. Yeah, Trav the artist and Trav the upset. but it's Trev definitely or Travolta Salani um why not <laughs> yeah on all platforms and on and your social media uh yeah so on social media it's Travolta Salani across so on on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh even when you go for Spotify, iTunes, it's all Travolta Salani it's been real my guy uh we'll catch you on the flip side man thank you for for your time yeah man Uh thank you for having me man. Thank you for the opportunity to share my voice. Uh it's been real man. All the best going forward. Uh in Papa Penny's words man. Changanichu. <laughs> yeah that. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you for listening to another wonderful episode of Akio Varsity. I'm Fumani Baloy and I'm signing out. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, share it with your friends and family and spread the word. Until next time, see you on the flip side.